0: I'll invite you to find the book of Proverbs. This is our last sermon in this series in the book of Proverbs, Wisdom for a New Year. We're easing out into this new year now. It'll be March soon. Next Sunday will be the service of remembrance, so we won't be in Proverbs next Sunday. It'll be something more appropriate to the service of remembrance. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you would pray with me now before we launch into a study of God's Word. We... I remind you this every week, but we really need God's help here. I need God's help. You need God's help. This is a supernatural exchange when God speaks to us through his words. So let's bow together and, and ask him for his blessings. Father, we hear so many words in a given day. Lord, help our ears be tuned to hear that these words are different. Help us to hear your word as your words. May we not hear Matt Broadway's words, but may we hear your words. And I want to just publicly confess that I have no power to bring about Spiritual or heart change in myself or your people. No matter how eloquent I'm able to be, no matter how clear I'm able to speak, it doesn't matter. Your word is what holds the power, your word is what is profitable. So I lean on that promise that your word never goes forth without accomplishing its purposes. And I trust that you have purposes you want to accomplish in our hearts today. So please enable me to serve your people well and enable us to listen, to really listen attentively and to absorb what we hear from your word and to internalize it and respond obediently and humbly to it. Help us to be changed by these next few moments in your word and we will give you all the glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. I really appreciate it when you pray with me at the beginning of the sermon. Um, I've been thinking a lot about words this week. The name of the sermon this morning is Wisdom in Words. I've been working through Proverbs and just picking a topic each week, and this week I landed on words and our speech. And I did a little research, and most people agree that the average American speaks about 16,000 words in a day. That's an average, and, and I looked at several different studies, and that just seems to be about the figure that the scientists agree on. Most of you speak somewhere in the ballpark of 16,000 words per day. Some of you weigh more than that, but we're not going to point fingers. You feel like you might be. Some of you weigh less than that. But about 16,000 words in a day, that's about 1,000 words an hour that you're awake. And about around 16 words per minute that we speak on average. Now, I want you to think about your words before we launch into Proverbs chapter 4. Think about your words just since you came in and sat down in the pews here. Okay, just kind of try to relive the the little conversations that you had, whoever you spoke with. Think about those words. How would you choose those words? Did you think about those words or did they just come naturally? Think about your words just since you've arrived at church. Some of you came for Sunday school as well. Some of you for the prayer meeting. Think about how many words you used during discussion at Sunday school, etc. Think about your words this morning since you got up. What kind of words did you use as you tried to get the kids dressed and out of the house this morning? Think about your words this weekend. Think about them this last week. There's too many to remember, isn't it? You can't. You probably couldn't even remember what words you used since you sat down in here. We talk all the time and we hear words all the time. And what we're going to see in Scripture is that our words are really, really important and can be really, really dangerous. In fact, I'd like to let James introduce this sermon for me. You don't have to flip over here. Just listen to what James says in James chapter 3. James says, Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able also to bridle his whole body. If you can tame your tongue, you can, you can do anything in terms of self-discipline. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Your your speech determines your life in ways that you may have never considered. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Now, those are some strong words about words. For every kind of beast and bird, of, or rep, uh, every for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. beware of the tongue, beware of your lips, beware of your words. They can start a forest fire, they can destroy lives. It's powerful, very powerful. And as I've studied Proverbs, and I knew I was going to do wisdom and words today, and I started trying to synthesize what Proverbs says about words, and it's just too much. You know, we talked about how Proverbs is a book concerned with wisdom and how to live wisely. It says, it says, a lot about words. Just, I got to chapter 12 and I was reading through and pulling out everything that I saw about our speech. And by chapter 12, I had 35 passages and 35 verses about our words. So clearly, if we want to live wisely, we've got to think about our words. It's central to living wisely. So instead of trying to synthesize all of that, which became impossible and nearly made my brain explode this week, I've settled on Proverbs chapter four verses 20 through 27. And we're just gonna, that's the only passage in Proverbs we're really gonna look at this morning. I'd like to read it to you. You can remain seated for this one. But look at it uh, in your Bibles or just listen attentively to Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Now, if if you're like me, you recognize some weaknesses in how you use your words, sometimes that you've used them in foolish ways and sinful ways and hurtful ways. And I have a a three-point plan for you from this passage on how to get control of your words. But it doesn't begin with your mouth. It begins with your ears. So the first point I want you to listen to is appropriately listen well. Okay. If, if you want to grow in wisdom with how you use your speech in conversation and in interactions with people and text messaging and Facebook, anywhere you use words, it doesn't start with your mouth. It starts with your ears. First, listen well. Let me read verses 20 and 21 again and listen well while I do it. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart. Be attentive. Some of your translations may say, pay attention, look look up, engage with these words, Have any of you seen those, it's a commercial for some sort of deodorant, maybe it's Dove or something, and it shows people, real people, in an airport, and they've uh, set up this massive prank where they they create a fake news program where it says that that person is wanted, and they have their picture on the TVs all through the airport, and it says they're wanted by the police, and they have uh, fake police officers walking around with flyers with the person's face on it. And you see the camera trained on these people and they're just reading their book and waiting for their flight. And then you see them when they see their face on the news and you see the change come over them. They, they go from just sort of staring off in the space or lost in their own thoughts to they start paying attention. They start being attentive. And it, the, the gag of it is, you know, did you put your deodorant on today because you'd be sweating it out if all of a sudden you were wanted or something. Didn't work too well because I don't remember who, whose commercial it was. But that's sort of what he's saying. This is about you. Pay attention. What, he's, what God through verses 20 and 21 is wanting to happen is that same thing. For you to see your face all of a sudden come up in these words. This is for you. My son, be attentive. Pay attention. Incline your ear. Open your ear up. Listen. Yeah, you know, As I was researching words, I told you we speak about 16 words per minute. Um, similar scientists have done studies on how much we hear. And we hear in America roughly 100,000 words per day. I don't know how they did the studies, but that's what the scientists say. So I assume that they're somewhere in the ballpark. 100,000 words. Now, not all those words are equal. Some of those words just need to be sloughed off and ignored... But some of those words you need to pay attention to and you need to open your ears up. And God's words are those types of words. So right now, you may be sleepy, you may be hungry, you may be angry. I don't know what you're feeling. But do pay attention right now. Do open up your ears right now because you're not just hearing me. You're hearing God's word. So pay attention, be attentive. Verse 22. No, no, no. I've I've skipped one part I wanted to mention. In verse 21, let them not escape from your sight. Another way you could translate that is, don't let them out of your sight. Kind of like some of you who are parents and you've had toddlers before, you can't let them out of your sight. Once they start walking, you can't let them out of your sight. Because they'll go straight for the scissors, or they'll go straight for the stairs, or they'll go straight for whatever they're not supposed to. You've got to keep your eye on them, or it'll get away from you. That's the same way it is with God's word. Don't let it out of your sight. Uh, It it does not work to hear a sermon on Sunday and then go forth into life and just assume that the residual effects of that sermon are going to help you. It won't. They'll escape. These words will drift away. You've got to pay attention and not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Deep within your heart. So as you're thinking about your words... Okay, picture, you know, you see those medical diagrams where they'll show sort of a simplified version of the, the inside of a human. Now picture the diagram from the ear. There's a canal that goes straight from the ear to your heart in a spiritual diagram of you. Okay, from your ear to your heart. If you want to be wise in your speaking, it starts with your ears. Pay attention to the right words and internalize them. Now, for some of you, this may mean listening to less stuff. I've told you before how many podcasts I used to listen to, and I've had to trim that way back because I was just hearing too many words, and I couldn't discern what was valuable anymore. Some of you may need to listen to less, read less, watch less TV, trim down so you can see the words that you're taking in and start to evaluate which ones are of worth and which ones aren't. For some of you, this means you just need to get into your word, get into your Bibles, and start reading, start meditating on it, maybe even start memorizing it. Elias, one of his assignments is to memorize a huge portion of scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 13 about love, and it's been really neat to see him actually apply that. I think the only time I've heard him apply it was to tell Lillian what she ought to be doing. Love's not like that, love's like this, so let me have your toy. But it has been neat to see that that's in there now because he's done the hard work to memorize it. Maybe that's the next step for you. I don't know, but the first thing we need to do is listen well. The second thing we need to do is guard our hearts. So the first point has to do with your ears. The second point has to do with your heart. Verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Now, some of your translations don't say keep your heart with all vigilance. Some of yours probably say keep your heart above all else. And really, either way, it's the same idea. This needs to be a priority. Keeping your heart, guarding your heart, needs to be priority number one for you. Okay, you need to defend, guard, keep your heart. Because from your heart flows the springs of life or the source of all the rest of your life. Think of your heart like Fort Knox. I did a lot of research this week. I did some on Fort Knox too for this illustration. Do you have any idea how well guarded Fort Knox is? I mean, I thought it was pretty well guarded, but it was even way more than I imagined. Let me tell you about Fort Knox. Fort Knox. Fort Knox has four-foot-thick granite walls, a 22-ton blast-proof door. Every square inch of Fort Knox is covered by surveillance camera. There is no inch that is not covered at all times by surveillance cameras. They do have some windows, and they're fireproof, bulletproof, blast-proof, and completely blacked out. You can't even see through them from the outside. The foundation underneath is made up of multiple layers of concrete, and on top of the multiple layers of concrete is a 10-foot granite slab on top of that. So if you thought you could like tunnel in like a cartoon underneath and get to the goal, you're wrong. There are several sentinel stations on the ground and upper levels, and these are, these are uh, like little rooms where guys with guns sit and wait for somebody to just try it. 27-inch thick steel and concrete vault, impermeable even to an atomic bomb. Some people suspect that if you dropped an atomic bomb directly on top of Fort Knox, the vault would still remain intact. And then there's these three barriers on the outside of it. There's there's one that's just sort of a simple fence that goes all the way up to the road. And that's a, a normal fence, but it has motion detectors, so, so they'll know if anybody starts to tamper with that fence. And then a ways... Closer to the building, there's a 10-foot electrical fence. And then a ways closer beyond that, there's another electrical f- fence that's patrolled by armed guards. in uh, the midst of these fences are large open areas so that they can you know, do better surveillance. In case somebody does get through the first two fences, they have to run a you know, long ways to, to get any further. The original wrought iron fence is still there, and that's closer to the building. They have specially trained Mint police, and they have a total availability of of different troops and stuff, not just the Mint police, but other uh, armed forces that are around. They could have at their disposal 30,000 soldiers, 300 tanks and armed personnel carriers and attack helicopters and artillery. And then geographically, it's placed in such a way in northern Kentucky where they're safe from any sea attack. And then they're bordered by the Appalachian Mountains in the east, so there's really only one direction that you can even try to get to it. And that's just what we know about. And then there's all these things that people suspect that they have defending Fort Knox that we're not even sure about. People suspect that they have something called virtual um, tripwires where they can just sort of know who is anywhere within 15,000 feet of the building anytime. Some people suspect they have something called biometric IDs, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that means. Some people suspect that they have flooding tunnels, like the, the ways to get around that they can trip, trigger something and flood everything. Some people suspect that they have landmines placed around outside. And some people suspect that they have a satellite defense system. So even up from space, they're defending Fort Knox. Okay. Now, I tell you all this because the same way we guard Fort Knox, the same priority we give to that, we as individuals have to give to guarding our hearts. Because if our hearts get taken, the source of everything else that we're able to do is gone. Your heart is Fort Knox. So how well are you guarding it? It's more important than any other protective measure you can take. Now, that, that I want you to hear that for real, seriously. Um, I know sometimes you hear sermons and it just sounds like, oh, that's sermon talk. He had to try to say something to sound good. But I really believe, based on Scripture, guarding your heart is the single most important protective measure you can take for your life. It's more important than eating right. It's more important than having an alarm system on your house. It's more important than having good insurance. It's more important than owning a gun. Some of you really want to own some guns for protection, and that's fine with me. But more important than that, are you guarding your heart? Why is it so important to guard your heart? For from it flow the springs of life. I'm read to you how Jesus put that in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Beginning at verse 43, Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of, the, out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. That's where those words come from. I think that whenever we fly off at the mouth or get angry and say things we shouldn't hurt people or get impatient with our kids and say mean, cruel things that we wish we didn't say or say stupid things that hurt people's feelings or embarrass ourselves or just foolish, and we wish we could change our words I think we think of it on the wrong end. I think we, we think of it as if we could place some sort of a filter over our mouths that would change the way we talk. But our words come from deep, deep, deep within us. We can't just fashion on one of those things like the dog's war the movie Up so that they could talk with human words. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That, that doesn't exist for humanity. You want to change your words, you change your heart. and You guard your heart. Now, what does it mean to guard your heart? Well, I've read a lot of different takes on that, but I think the simplest approach is to just look at what he says here in the context. In the context, I think his point is, guard what you let in there through your ears. And I think we can also say eyes because we read and we see words with our eyes too. Guard what you're allowing in there. So, you know, I had you walk back and think through what you've said over the last week. Think through what you've heard over the last week what words have you taken in to your heart over the last week think conversations think radio think iPod think podcast think Facebook think Twitter think TV and on and on we could go what what are you taking in don't think that that doesn't have an effect because it does Starts with our ears, moves to our hearts, and then it comes around through our mouths. Now we can start to think about our words. Listen well, guard your heart. And number three, speak straight. get your ears straightened out, what you're letting in. Get your heart straightened out. And then just speak straight. And I get that word straight from verse 24. It says, put away from you crooked speech. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Put away from you crooked speech. I know some of yours may not say crooked speech. They may have different ways of wording that. Um, one of the commentaries I read, I put it in a way that I think really synthesizes what it means here in all the different ways you could translate those words. He's talking about distorted speech that deforms its hearers. Okay, now hang with me on this. When he says put off crooked speech, he's talking about distorted speech that deforms its hearers. See, words have a powerful ability to shape perception. Okay, None of us looks at reality with, with naked eyes. We all see reality through a lens called our perception. And the words that we hear shape that perception. And the words that we speak shape other people's perceptions. Okay, If we speak distorted words that are dishonest or manipulative or perverse or profane, etc., it has a dis- deforming effect on the perceptions of people around us, on the hearts of people around us. They're not just crooked for us, they're crooked for the people who are hearing them. And I know a common theme in Proverbs and in the rest of Scripture. Anywhere where, or not anywhere, but often when the Bible talks about heart change, it'll move from the, the heart change that God can bring through Jesus Christ to the corresponding ways we should live. And it's amazing how frequently the very first point on how we should live has to do with our speech. Put away crooked speech. Put off falsehood. Put off... Malicious speech. You'll see it a lot in the New Testament as well. So, since I did the work, I want to read to you some of the examples of crooked speech from Proverbs. These are the points that I chose not to give you, but I'll just list them out so you have a clear picture of what kind of speech we are to put off. I think this crooked speech is like an umbrella term that a lot of the other stuff Proverbs talks about fits under. It includes manipulative speech. You have to be really careful about manip- manipulative speech if you've been in sales. Because sales training teaches you how to manipulate people with your speech. And I was in sales for just a little while and, and I know how that works. Manipulative speech is crooked. Deceptive speech, obviously. Lying. Any intentional, uh, any intentional statement that is untrue. Anytime you say something untrue on purpose, even if it's just an exaggeration, you're shaping someone else's perception of reality with your exaggerations or your white lies, and it's crooked, and it's not for the wise Christian. We go through the rest quickly: loud, murky, extraneous, ruinous, slanderous, overabundant, just talking too much, perverse, destructive. Belittling, secret revealing, bloodthirsty, false, wounding, rash, worthless, foolish, and boastful words. All of those are included under crooked speech. We're not to speak that way. Instead, we're to speak straight. And the words Proverbs use for this, for speaking straight, would be true, transparent, life-giving, wise, restrained, valuable, nourishing, satisfying, appropriate, quiet, secret-keeping, freeing, honest, healing, enduring, humble, guarded, carefully chosen, life-preserving words. Those are straight words. That's how the wise Christian is, is supposed to talk. Now... We have the ears, we have the heart, and now we have the mouth. Okay, we need to zero in on the question of how then do we change? How do we move from crooked speech to straight speech? We already know that it begins with the ears, and then it flows through the heart, and then into the mouth. And I can't emphasize that enough. I wanted to come, because Proverbs has so many really practical suggestions about our speech. And I found them all fascinating, because I like words anyway. And I wanted to come, and I was getting to like an 18-point sermon, and it's just there's no way. Do read Proverbs about words. But really, if you get this idea, the rest will work itself out. It all has to do with your heart. You know, you've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. A truer phrase is, you are what you speak. What you say reveals who you are. What you say flows from your heart. So change your heart to change what you say. We can't just spray verbal febreze over our language and think that we're wise. You know, the reason we manipulate people is because we are manipulative. We won't stop manipulating people with our speech until we change and stop being manipulative. The reason we deceive is because we fear the truth. We're not going to stop deceiving until we stop fearing the truth. The reason we slander is because we have hatred in us. We have bitterness in us. We're not going to stop slandering people until our hearts change and we don't have that anymore. You know, the reason I lose my patience with my children sometimes has nothing to do with them or how loud they're being or if they've obeyed or disobeyed. It's because I am impatient. If I want to change that, I can't just try some verbal trickery. I need heart change. I need to become a patient person. the reason some of us speak with uh, the most atheistic pessimism as though God doesn't even exist, it's because we don't really believe. And we need a heart change to be able to be one of those encouragers who quote scripture. You can't just become that. You've got to change. the reason some of us are so fearful and anxious that we don't even know what to say in social situations because what's in our heart is fear of man and we're, we are more afraid of people than we are of God and we're just not comfortable. So our only hope is not tips and tricks, it's heart change. But there's good news here. I'm going to read to you Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. Probably pretty familiar to you. This is a promise that God gave to his people. It was foreshadowing what he would do through Jesus Christ. And he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will, re- I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. See, the work of Jesus Christ through the cross is heart work. So whatever verbal problems you have, let it send you straight to the cross. Let it send you straight to Jesus. Let it send you humbly before God to confess, this sin is in me. There there are not many indicators of who we truly are as powerful as our words. Your words really reveal you. My words really reveal me. Let it send us to the cross. Let it send us to Jesus who died for those sins in here and who offers a way for God to give us a new heart and to change us and to mold us into people who, we don't just try to say true things. We are true people who love the truth, who are not afraid of the truth. We don't just try to put on life-giving speech and try to say nice things. We are life-giving people. We have from our heart springs flowing with life. We don't just try to say wise things. We are becoming wise people. And so on. So the way I'd like to conclude this is just with a time of prayer. It's a time of prayer for the Lord to work his word down into our heart, bring about any conviction that's necessary, and change us. To reveal to us what we might be letting into our heart that we should stop. To show us how to guard our hearts. To change how we speak. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for being patient and gentle with us. Thank you for addressing all the particulars of our lives in your word. Your word is so practical. I'm so grateful that you're, you have addressed words and speech and how we talk. And that you've taught us more than just tips and tricks of how to be more eloquent or be more kind. How to avoid putting our foot in our mouth. But that you've showed us the deeper things, the mysterious things about how our words flow from our hearts. Lord, your ways are above our ways and we're grateful. So we invite you now to convict us where we need to be convicted. Show us what's in these hearts of ours. Show us what we've been letting into these ears of ours. Help us to be obedient here. Help us to be attentive and pay attention to your words, the right words, to shut out the evil words. Help us to guard our hearts like Fort Knox. It help us just to live straight lives and speak straight words and look straight ahead and just live for your glory and the good of other people and the, to see disciples made. Let every word from our mouth be a, a straight arrow sinking right into the bullseye of truth. Help us to know when to just be quiet. But Lord, through Jesus Christ, would you please do a work in our hearts So great as to actually make us loving, wise, prudent people. And may the fruit of that flow through our lips and bless many. In Jesus' name, amen.